Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Out of the Blue from Maize and Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network, the podcast that you can trust more than any football officiating crew in America. I am Jared Stormer of maizeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate. Andy, you unyielding barbarian. How the hell are you, my friend? Jared, my friend, I'm doing well. Celebrating Michigan's victory. It was didn't feel too much like a good victory, but a win is a win nonetheless. A little nervous for this week, man. How are you? The exact same, man. Yeah, uh, a little more nervous than I thought I'd be for Illinois. Uh, I don't care that it was in Champaign. You should never have uh, any sort of nerves for for that team. But we pulled it out. Felt like three games instead of one. And uh, yeah, and now things don't get any easier. Happy Valley next week. So I'm well other than my nerves for Michigan football. Life in general is fine, but uh, here we go. Here we go indeed. Do you think Michigan wins in Champaign if Brandon Peters is playing quarterback for Illinois? Yeah, I think that we would. I think the defense really, towards the end of the game there, called their own number and said enough is enough. I don't know how you allow 25 unanswered. That's pretty inexcusable. But Brandon Peters would have given them a little bit of a boost and definitely made it too close for comfort. But no, I don't think he would have been the difference maker to you. I don't either. I think they had more more tape on Peters. They know him inside and out, know his weaknesses, what he can and can't do. I think it would have been easier, actually, if Peters had been playing. With the backup, you have so many question marks, you don't know which one to answer first. 
True, and their backup got pretty hot in the third quarter. Robinson there, he had a pretty decent game. So, uh, yeah, let's let's kind of touch on that game before we uh, look at the Big Ten and and get into this Penn State game. Uh, it, you know, pull it out and started out really great. Twenty-eight nothing at one point. First quarter was excellent, but stop me if you've heard this. Turnovers kill momentum. Seem to hurt the confidence of the team, and then the wheels start to come off. That's exactly what happened again. Just miscue one miscue two and then everything falls apart defense falls apart and it's this team really is really fragile and they can't be heading into these big games like giving up 25 answered to illinois is one thing when you still maintain a lead and you pull out victory but this can't happen against big boys or it's going to be madison all over again I don't think there's one game left on the schedule. Well, Maryland has certainly fallen off a cliff, but there's not one other game besides maybe Maryland where if you allow 25 unanswered, you're going to pull out the victory. That was the last cupcake. So uh, let's hope that's out of their system. Yeah, with Maryland and Indiana, and both of them are better than Illinois. Illinois is terrible, as really bad. as we saw in the first half. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they are not a good football team. Uh, the way Michigan was just dominate, dominating them at the point of attack early on in that, uh, it was it was clear that they were the better team and that Illinois was overmatched, and yet they managed to claw their way back in. Uh, I want to start on the defense because, to me, that's the bigger concern. Um, maybe not overall, but in that game. What happened that allowed them to get back into that game? How did 25 unanswered get scored on that defense? I want to say fatigue had something to do with it because I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I believe Michigan had faced about 60 plays on defense as compared to a much, much less number as their defense. I think they were tired for one. I think the spirits have been a little broken. And also, I don't think they seemed particularly motivated. Like, okay, it's Illinois. We want to go home, have a 28-point cushion. Let's just get out of here and let's leave with a victory. That's what it seemed like to me. What did you take from it? Yeah, I think it's that, especially the second half of what you were saying there, that you get that 28-point cushion and you just take your foot off the gas pedal, uh, which is surprising because that's definitely, I know something Harbaugh preaches, you should never take your foot off the throat of your enemy. That's some Sun Tzu Art of War stuff right there. (laughs) And look how close it got. I mean, they scored 25 unanswered. It's 25-28. After that, you saw the defense kind of come back to life. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, McGrone, Dana, those guys were were huge. Um, There was also quite a few guys out in that game. You didn't really notice uh, because early on we were getting it done, but we were missing pay. Lavert Hill was out out for a bit. So uh, there were some injuries as well, but I I think it's like you said, just taking your foot off the gas. Yeah, there's nothing negative in the long term to be taken away from this defensive performance. Just know Ambry Thomas is a stud. Mm Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. Vincent Gray had a rough day, but Ambry Thomas more than made up for it. Uh, he's slowly climbing the ranks as one of the better cornerbacks in the country. Um, he's a guy that, you know, we've been high on forever, just waiting and waiting for him to break free. So it's nice that after three years, we can finally say, I told you so. Uh, but Vincent Gray, not the best day for him. No, he was getting targeted quite a bit. And he was definitely exposed not playing his traditional nickel corner position or anything like that. Uh didn't, did we get much Dax Hill, did we? No, I didn't see too much of him, or at least he didn't pop. Um, maybe he wasn't playing that much, but, I mean, you'd think with Levert Hill limited, he would have been out there a little bit more. Honestly, uh, the safeties didn't have a great day either. I didn't really see Metella show up too much in that one. He missed uh, that one wide-open pick where he was playing uh, deep. Kang was covered, too, and 
could have came over and just picked the ball. I think he lost it in the sun, and the receiver caught it over Vincent Gray for a huge gain. I was like, are you kidding me? Well, you know, the sun burns at outlandish temperatures, so I'm going to allow that one. I mean, it's a pretty imposing star. So he gets that one. Fair. But but yeah, but uh, yeah, secondary in general, not the best day. Uh, D-line turned it up when they need to. I'm sorry, Andy. I got to say Aiden Hutchinson is the best player on this defense right now over Metellus. Oh, I like this take. Yeah, I'm I'm on board now. I'm going to give you one back. Uh, Cam McGrone is the most important player on this defense. He very well may be. Uh, the second part of that was I think McGrone may have overtaken Metellus for number two. Uh, with his ascension, I mean, he's getting better every week. I don't really know that his ceiling exists. No, he's phenomenal, and it's going to be interesting what they're going to do with Josh Ross when he finally gets healthy. Yeah, I mean, it'll be great to have that depth and you can rotate guys and keep them fresh, but you got to have McGrone on the field at this point. I mean, he's one of their most important players, just like you said. I mean, I agree with you. Yeah, Don Brown's defense is predicated on speed, especially in the middle of the defense to call out plays. And we'll get to him later about how important he is for Penn State. But he, I did not expect Cam McGrone to come on this quickly when Jordan Anthony at the beginning of the year was ahead of him on the depth chart. Yeah, yeah. And that just goes to show you, I mean... Once the season gets rolling and guys get some reps, guys can really start to pop. He's definitely one of them. And huge boon for our defense, especially having the speed of him and Dax Hill out there. That's going to help us a lot. Uh, before we go to the offense, I do not want to forget about this. Why is Quinn Nordine still kicking field goals? I have no idea. It makes literally no sense. Like We said before he can kick the ball to Canada, but he can't pick the province. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so at this point, ship him to Canada. I mean, he hasn't made a field goal in over a year. That one was not from 55 or 50. I mean, that was like a 32-yarder. Couldn't get it done. I know Jake Moody missed one uh, against Iowa, but Jake Moody is the far more consistent player. At this point, I don't ever even want to hear Quinn Nordine's name again. No, he should let him do kickoffs. I don't understand why he's not just handling kickoffs because he can kick the ball so far. And when this comes out tomorrow, it will have been 369 days since Quinn Nordine made a field goal. That's unreasonable. I want to go back and look and see what movie was tops at the box office last time. Quinn Nordine, who was supposed to be our starting kicker, Jim Harbaugh stayed the night and climbed a tree to get this kid. And uh, yeah, just not worth it. And yeah, he probably should be on kickoff duty, but at the same time, he's probably going to kill like Dan Deardorff up in the press box or something if he does. He's going to do something. I don't know, man. I, I, there's no excuse for him to be playing. There's no reason. I don't care if you like the kid. It's about makes and misses as a field goal kicker. And all he does is miss. Yeah, field goal kicker is not one where it's like, you know, left guard where I can be like, you know, missing some of the nuances of the position. It is very clear what needs to be done at the kicking position, and he does not get it done. All you have to do is make the kick. Like, every time he comes out there, every fan in the stadium and around the country watching the game knows he's going to miss. Like, I, I don't understand. Is he just like 100% lights out in practice or something? I don't understand why that trumps what we've seen in games for 369 days. Yeah, I have no idea what's going on. But at this point, you need to settle that kicking decision. I mean, the season's halfway over. I mean, just pick somebody and roll with it, so long as that person's not Quinn Nordine. What's Carlo Kemp got for a leg? <laughs> Bring him out here. Let's see what he can do. I believe in Carlo Kemp. I like Carlo Kemp. I'm a fan. But uh, uh, let's get to the offense really quick. And, I mean, that's obviously where all the contention is at. It was not a great day for them again. Not a great day for Shea Patterson. 
until it mattered most. And uh, and then he was pretty good. Uh, but I want to start with some of the positives, and that's we probably have found our one-two running back punch with Hassan Haskins and Zach Charbonnet. They definitely have seemed to emerge, especially Haskins. Haskins looked, dare I say, better than Charbonnet. Yeah, I was going to ask you. I was like, well, in that game, in that very limited time, Haskins looked like your 1A and Charbonnet was 1B. Yeah, and Haskins was linebacker up until this fall. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And I mean, it kind of showed on that touchdown run. I mean, they could not bring him down. And he looks like he's got room to put on 15 more pounds. I mean, I'm excited about that kid. I am, and I'm also excited we didn't see too much Ben Van Summeren. I'm done with that experiment. Um, Speaking of running backs, what did you think of Ben Mason? (sighs) I mean, as much as we want to love Ben Mason because he's essentially Zangief from Street Fighter, I don't know that you need to have him on offense for anything other than blocking, and even then do so sparingly. Um, When he goes in, I mean, eyes come on him, and you know he's probably getting the ball. And then you design that play to go to him, and it's a 15-yard penalty, an unnecessary penalty. Between that and the turnover, I don't know what you're doing. I just don't get their personnel decisions sometimes. Like Hassan Haskins ripped off runs of like 29, 32 yards, and then he goes 36 plays without seeing the ball. Like what is that personnel decision? I, it made no sense. I feel like they just have a list of things they want to accomplish in a game. And it's like, all right, we've done this one, done this one. All right, let's keep going. And just try to throw things out there instead of just doing what works. If Michigan had run the ball 50 times in this game and we had no answers passing the ball in that wind, I wouldn't have cared as long as it's a victory. You know better. You have nothing to prove to anybody. And not running it with him made no sense. I'm with you 100% on Ben Mason. Bring him in for blocking because he loves to hit people, sometimes even after the whistle. (laughs) Just let him get it out of his system when he's in there to do that. But he doesn't need to carry the ball. doesn't need to catch the ball. Everyone seems to love the guy, so just let him hit people. It's, it's fun. Yeah, it's very simple. I mean, hammer smashes. I mean, that's what it does. To, to a hammer, everything is a nail, and he is a hammer. I just wouldn't give him the ball because he's not probably not getting a lot of reps on offense, I wouldn't imagine, with the move to defensive tackles. So, yeah, uh, less Ben Mason, more Hassan Haskins, and I think we're all pretty much done with praying for speed and space to emerge. At this point, it's just win. You know, gain yep. yards. I don't care how you do it. And if that's riding Haskins and Charbonnet for the rest of the year, so be it. You remember in the movie Little Giants when the Giants are chanting before the game? They say, Giants, Giants. And the little kid says, help us, God. That's pretty Correct. much how I feel about Michigan games now in 2019. <laughs> Glad we could sneak a Little Giants reference in, too, wherever we can. I'm always down for the O'Shea brothers. Oh, man. The icebox? Give me a break. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, also on the offense, no Nico Collins. Have you heard anything about why he wasn't out there? Didn't travel for an undisclosed injury last I read. I believe he'll be ready to go for the next game. So fingers crossed, I guess. Yeah, of all the receivers, would you say it's him or Ronnie Bell that's more important? Or maybe DPJ? I still think it's DPJ because I think he draws a lot of attention and focus no matter what, especially having him on punt returns where he's so sure-handed. I would say him first, but then... I think Ronnie Bell and Nico Collins are tied for second. Tariq Black has been very underwhelming this season, so he's a he's distant fourth. But uh, it helps to be full strength, especially when your offense is sputtering. Yeah, uh, I think Nico is incredibly important because he's your deep threat, and I think he needs to be targeted down the field at least three to four times a game, like deep down the field, 25 yards or more. 
Um, but I also see where you're coming from with DPJ, although he's put the ball on the deck at least twice this year, although who hasn't? I'm pretty sure I have a fumble for the Michigan Wolverines this year. Um, and Ronnie Bell, I mean, he might be 1A. So it's hard to pick just one. Ronnie Bell is your leading receiver as far as yards and had a great day on Saturday. Yeah, and it was also nice to see Sean McEwen back and they're especially blocking the ball early. He looked phenomenal opening up some holes for the backs. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Luke Schoonmaker in there. Looks like he surpassed Mustafa Muhammad, and I'm guessing that probably played a role with his transfer, seeing Schoonmaker get in there and catch a touchdown um, with yeah. some guys banged up. Yeah, that and Eric Alls passed him. Also, McFlurry has put on some size. That's your boy right there. He was looking like Glasgow out there. I was like, okay, McFlurry. Been hitting yep. the protein shakes and mass gainers in the offseason. I like yeah. it. <laughs> they confused him for it on uh, one of those punt blocks. Oh, and that punt block by Glasgow was a thing of beauty. Probably the play of the game. Yeah, Jordan Glasgow. The Glasgow's are the first family of Michigan football. I don't care about anybody else. Don't give me the Hutchinsons or the Runyons. No, Glasgow's. First family yeah. of Michigan. It's the Glasgow's, and I assume they're each going to have 11 sons and put them all on Michigan. I mean, if you fielded a team of just Glasgow's at every position, that's an 11-win team. Yeah, easily an 11-win team. Like, even if they get beat, they're not the most talented team, they're going to be a hell of a group of triers. Every game is going to be close. Yeah, and then they'll kick your ass after the game, so either way. Great hair, by the way, too, so... Oh, yeah, they've got it all going on. Big Glasgow proponents, uh, but I think we lose him after this year, so next year will be the first year without a Glasgow in some time. God, don't depress me yet. I'm sorry. We've got we still got a Penn State preview to do that. <laughs> um, any other thoughts on uh, Illinois before we uh, take a break here? We didn't learn anything. Settle down. We're going to learn a lot more this week. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's tough to take too much from that uh, other than, hey, you know, you got that uh, little bit of adversity on the road that you were hoping for. A little more adversity than I think you wanted, but uh, they did overcome adversity. Beggars can't be choosers, but I guess I got what I wanted. (laughs) I guess. When it was 25-28, I wanted to slap you backhanded across the right cheek. but It's like, all right, Andy, this is enough adversity. Come on. (laughs) This is plenty of adversity. Three-point lead. Offense hasn't driven the ball more than like 15 yards. Let's go. Yeah, man. That offensive sequence in the the third quarter there is just tough to watch. I went back and you go back and rewatch that game and it's like three different games. It's like, oh, we're blowing them out and now we're losing. Oh, now we're coming back and now we're blowing them out again. It's it's several different games all in one. And uh, I think once again, it's mental fortitude, man. So it's a concern. Yeah, it'll be tested again this week, and we'll get into that. But one thing that got annoying during the broadcast was the production team behind the commentators kept bringing up and playing the punt block and making them talk about it. It's like, oh, but what if they didn't have this punt block? But guess what? They did. Michigan yeah. had the punt block. Like, BFD, let's get, all, let's get over it. Let's move on. I guess if they didn't have a touchdown, guess what? The game's not as close either. Yeah, yeah, that's a dumb, dumb game to play because, like, without any number of plays, things are different. Like, that's the point of playing the game. If Michigan didn't show up in Champaign, we wouldn't have had a game today. Did you know that, guys? Yeah, I did. <laughs> they don't call him the best color man in sports for nothing, folks. God, it was driving me nuts. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, I, I liked Greg McElroy. He seemed okay. Yeah, he did. I mean, seems very boyish, but, you know, it was a good time. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that he's hit puberty yet, and he's like 31 years old. But other than that, good for him. 
<laughs> Good for you, Greg. Good for you, Greg McElroy. But uh, <laughs> all right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to talk about Penn State. This is one that I am looking forward to watching, but uh, not looking forward to what it's going to do to my cholesterol. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about what we saw around the Big Ten, and uh, then we'll spend as long as we possibly can talking about Devin Bush. We'll be back right after this. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChampaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, welcome back to Out of the Blue. We are moving forward with our opponent series breakdown and things get real next week. Uh, from the relative ease of Champaign, Michigan travels to Happy Valley to take on the undefeated Penn State Nittany Lions, a team that's been getting it done mostly on defense, but they're also averaging 42 points a game. This is a very talented team. I'm not necessarily a James Franklin believer, but this could be one of his most well-rounded teams. He's been recruiting well. Their best victory came last week against Iowa. That being said, this is a totally different animal. This is in Happy Valley. So let's get started, brother. Where do you want to get going on this one? God, how much going to Happy Valley sucks, not to mention it's a night game, a whiteout, and college game day is going to be there. Let's start with that. Yeah, that's a little bit more pressure than this team can handle right now because this this team has the the mental fortitude of Michael Sarah at age 13 trying to ask out a senior. Uh, it is just not good, and I don't know where the confidence is all of a sudden going to come from when you're going into an environment that rivals Madison as one of the toughest places to play in the country. Forget the Big Ten. Yeah, I would say the whiteout atmosphere at Penn State one of the three hardest road games you can imagine up there with like LSU at night and yep. places like that or Clemson at night. Cause this is yep. going to be, I mean, you're going to get their best shot. You have all the energy from the fans going nuts, but Michigan has handled it well before for at least a half in 2017. They were only down 21, 13 before the levy broke, but they, they understand the whiteout. Most of these players have endured a little bit, know what to expect, and can at least pass it down to the younger, more inexperienced guys. So that's a plus. Yeah, I guess. I like your optimism there. They have experienced whiteouts. Generally, they haven't gone that well, but uh, this series is very back and forth. The home team usually pulls it out and usually does so in dominant fashion. Uh, that's why you get a nine-point spread on this one, which is relatively big spread from Vegas for a Harbaugh coach team. 
but historically we have not fared well under the lights at Penn State. So environment's going to be tough, not just because of the emotion. Uh, you've got to be able to survive a first punch in the mouth, especially if they get a quick score. That could be really bad if this team, I mean, because we know their mental fortitude is not the strongest right now. It could be really bad if you get punched in the mouth, uh, but also just on offense, being able to hear the calls and communication. Like I expect a few penalties. It's going to happen just because of crowd noise. Yeah, but like we've talked about before, I mean, what's the difference in this offense stalling at home and the offense stalling here? We're expecting that. The big thing will be watching Penn State's offense, who has struggled against better teams, go against this defense and how long Michigan's defense can hold up. Can they put up the kind of performance they did against Iowa at home where they were just smothering them? That's where that's where the biggest key in this game is going to be because I, I don't have faith in Michigan's offense but the part of the team I do have faith in, if they show up, this will still be a game. Absolutely. If they pack a defense, we'll be right in this to the end. Uh, and as you said, I mean, Penn State got off to a hot start. They hung 79 and 59 on Idaho and Maryland, respectively. But that's Idaho and Maryland. Held the 17 points against decent defenses in Iowa and Pitt. And, you know, once again, you'd like to think that the status quo holds serve here and that, you know, with a good defense coming in, we can keep them around that. 20 point range and if we do we will absolutely have a shot in this I think the game plan should be simple I think uh, after what we saw last week you should be trying to ride Hassan Haskins and Zach Charbonnet to a tight defensive minded victory where you just get enough through the air to to keep them honest yeah establish the run early with this team and then open up the play action just it's it sounds simple and I'm definitely <laughs> oversimplifying the things here sure. but just you know Keep it that way. Keep it simple, stupid. Just run the ball early. Open up the play action with timing throws. Don't make Shea Patterson stand back there and read defenses against this tenacious front seven from Penn State. That I think this is the best defense they've had in years there. Oh, yeah. The the stats back that up as well. I mean, uh, what is – I got it right here. They're rushing defense. Uh, they're number three. Uh, in the nation, uh, passing defense, number 49 at 205 yards a game. Uh, they're number two in scoring defense, the most impressive category there, which does not bode well for a team that's been struggling to put the ball in the end zone. They're only allowing 8.2 points per game. Uh, this is definitely the best defense they've had here. They've got, I count, at least three NFL guys in Yatur Gross Matos, um, Gosh, what's the other guy's name? Um, Shakatomi, he's got five and a half sacks. And then Micah Parsons, definitely an NFL guy. So speed, talent, size on that side of the ball. Uh, and they're going to be fired up too. Like, I think points are going to be at a premium. I think so as well. They've only allowed five touchdowns all season. And interesting to note, Wisconsin's only given up four. Michigan did account for two of them. Iowa has only given up. Seven, Michigan accounted for one of them. So they have scored against, you know, tough defenses. The Most of the Wisconsin ones didn't matter, but they did They did score. And, you know, they wanted to preserve that number as low as possible. So I think Michigan's, defense, Michigan's offense can score in this game, but you put it, it's a premium. So if the offense is rolling, just pray no one drops the ball because that could end the game. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If someone puts the ball on the deck, confidence could go out the window and this could get ugly. I mean, I could see an outcome where they hang 40 on us and we score seven points. I mean, we've done it to them in this rivalry. They've done it to us. So if you don't think that could happen, uh, you're living in a dream world. It could absolutely happen where this gets out of control. I'm hoping 
that uh, things kind of the status quo kind of takes hold in this rivalry and we get a, a game where actually the offense and defense of both teams show up and we go mano a mano and get something closer to like a 21-24 game. But I don't necessarily know that that's going to be the case. So, uh, you know, let's talk about their offense a little bit and what they're going to try and do. Uh, you want to start off there? Yeah, let's let's tackle – let's go with Sean Clifford first. He's replacing Trace McSorley, who'd been there for the last 15 years. Um, he's played well this season, shot like better than I thought he would, but he was, you know, highly touted kid last week against Iowa. He was 12 for 24 with a touchdown. It was pretty average game for him. 52 yards rushing. You put in our notes, the most shape. No, I'm sorry. That was Shea Patterson. I'm sorry. No, no, no. That is Sean Clifford's uh, stat line. It just seems like a Shea Patterson stat line. Oh, that's, for yeah. that's fantastic. I didn't even catch that. That's great. It's a very Shea Patterson-esque stat line. Yeah, for so, like 122 and a touch. Yeah. yeah. So against the lead opponents like Iowa last week, he was he was a little off. But granted, that was on the road in Kinnick. And weird things happen in Kinnick. Yes. Very true. Uh, you know, he's a pretty talented quarterback and he's getting more comfortable in the system, more elusive than I thought he was after watching some tape. So that's something that we're going to have to keep an eye on. Cam McGrone will be huge for that. And Kalik Hudson guys that can track him down and make sure he doesn't get loose and, and, and dictate the game with his legs, but he can also throw the ball. And I imagine he's going to try and get the ball to KJ Hamler. Who's got uh, five touchdowns on the year. They are utilizing him well, better than we're able to use our utilize our really talented receivers. So I imagine they will try and get KJ Hamler involved early. If they're hitting big plays to him, uh, watch out. This could get ugly. Yeah. There's a couple things to remember that two years ago when they had Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley were at home they would line up and then completely adjust their their offensive set. Confuse Michigan. Devin Bush got caught out of place time and time again, and they really used Michigan's heavy flow defense to their disadvantage. They just would go one way and completely miss the play going the other direction, and in the second half of the game, Penn State pulled away. Last year, it was one of the most beautiful sights I've ever seen because they would adjust with Trace McSorley and Miles Sanders, and then Devin Bush would signal an audible, and the defense would adjust to theirs, and it was just high-level chess. Devin Bush ate them apart, diagnosed everything perfectly, and just controlled the game. It was more cerebral than anything, and it was one of the best performances I've seen. And also last year, they did shut down K.J. Hamler, com completely took him out of the equation by almost – exclusively man-to-man -man defense with Josh Metellus. It might have been his finest game in coverage all season last year. Yeah, I've rewatched that game from last year a bunch. That was a defensive masterpiece and good call going all the way back to 2016 with with Barkley. There is no Barkley. There is no Trace McSorley. Sean Clifford and the running backs Noah Kane and Journey Brown are both athletic downgrades from McSorley and Barkley. Though I don't know you could possibly have an upgrade from Saquon Barkley athletically unless it's Barry Sanders at Oklahoma State. Uh, so it, it is definitely not that same offense. It's more of a balanced offense. KJ Hamler is going to be their big play guy on offense. Um, the running backs, while productive, Noah Kane uh, had 11 rushes for 102 and a touchdown last week against Iowa, 4.6 yards per. Uh, if you take away, and this was on John Jansen's podcast, so I need to give him credit there. Love that podcast. Uh, but if you take away their big plays of, you know, 80 yards against Pitt and, you know, the 32 yards that they broke between Kane and Brown, they both averaged just over three yards a carry. So not explosive running backs by any stretch. No, not at all. This offensive line has struggled a ton 
a ton this season. So the offense is not where we're used to. Like a lot of people are going into this game with misconceptions about this is the same old Penn State. They're going to just run up the score. This offense is not very good. Their numbers are padded against inferior opponents. The defense is what drives the engine of this team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, they're 18th in passing efficiency. We're number 20 in, in pass efficiency defense. So, you know, something's got to give there. We're pretty e- evenly matched on the back end of that. Um, they're not super explosive and loaded down with weapons outside of KJ Hamler. So I imagine they're going to try and play like a pretty balanced offense, try and do what we would want to do, you know, run the ball, get a few shots down the field. And yeah, I mean, just ride the home home field advantage. Uh, anybody else on offense that you wanted to mention? Nope, it covered it. Offensive line's a little shaky, so Aiden Hutchinson, Quiddy Pay, one of them could swing this game. So just keep an eye on that. Yeah, Cam McGrone could have a big game here too, coming on and on like gangbusters. So uh, moving to their defense, and this is surprisingly where they've been making their hay this year. Uh, tied for the number three defense in sacks, number three in tackles for loss. They have the most sack yardage in the country. They're allowing 3.83 yards per play and only 259.7 yards per game. This is a nasty defense. Uh, Between them and Wisconsin, I think probably the best two defenses in the country. Um, You know, like you said, they haven't really played anyone outside of Iowa. Uh, Definitely haven't played any offensive juggernauts. So we'll see exactly how good they are, but definitely the best under James Franklin. I think we can say that safely. Not only is Michigan's offense struggling to find an identity, they play four of the five best defenses in the country in terms of total defense. Number one, Wisconsin. Two, Ohio State. Three, Clemson. Four, Penn State. Five, Iowa. So so that's the gauntlet they're running through this season. No, this – I would be – flabbergasted if Michigan gets any kind of sustainable rhythm against this defense. If you're going to find confidence and you do it on the road at night in Happy Valley against this defense, then that changes my whole perception of the entire season moving forward. Oh yeah. Even if you're able to move the ball consistently and get down into field goal range so we can watch Quinn Nordeen miss by 30 yards to the right. I mean, even if you're able to do that, I'll be very impressed because Guys like Yotur Gross Matos, who sounds like he's a Polish tank captain, uh, Shaka Tomi there, each with five and a half sacks each. Gross Matos is probably a first rounder. He's freaking huge. He's going to be a problem for whoever he's matched up against on our offensive line. Our O-line's going to have to play their best game. Uh, Shaka Tomi as well. So even if you double Gross Matos, and then you got Micah Parsons rushing from, they'll put him on the edge, they'll put him at linebacker. He'll be all over the place. He's a stud. So I expect them to be in the backfield quite a bit in this game. Uh, I think that Shea Patterson's going to get hit several times, which concerns me because you know how he gets when things start going downhill. I just don't see any way that their defensive line can't find a way to get some pressure, especially with that crowd backing you up. Yeah, they're going to come out hot, all juiced up. Also, first first team all-name defense here. Gross Matos and Shaka Tomi, say no more. I mean, you win on that one. We can't yeah. trump you in names. Hopefully we can try to establish the run. <laughs> no, they're going to be in the backfield a lot. Michigan's going to have to get the ball out quick, utilize screens, just some window dressing type stuff with 11 personnel, get a lot of motion going on, just to use some kind of deception against them. They are fast. They are talented. And above all, they're experienced. And Michigan just – beat the bejesus out of them last season so they're going to be angry too 
No, Patterson needs to be careful not to get hurt. Offensive line has to have their best game under Ed under Ed Warner for sure. That's I mean, there's just no exception. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with you. This offensive line is going to be key. So let's uh, let's go through some p- positional advantages here. Go down the line here and see where we think this this falls. Uh, quarterback positional positional advantage. Who you got? It has to be Penn State. It is. I think it is Penn State right now. You start Dylan McCaffrey, I uh, might change my tune there, but I think we'll probably see McCaffrey in this game. What about you? Oh, I, I definitely think it's coming. I think third quarter is going to hit. The wheels are going to start falling off. Michigan's third quarter offense is going to be there. They're going to need a spark. You can't let this one get out of hand. You can't let them score 25 unanswered. No, Patterson or Patterson's day will be done early, and McCaffrey will be coming in, and we'll see a lot about Michigan's future. I think so as well. I mean, there comes a point when you almost need to go there. And with every passing week that our offense sputters, it's getting closer and closer. Uh, Running back, positional advantage. What do you think? This is a kind of a tough one. Michigan, after uh, what we saw last week with Hassan Haskins coming on, True Wilson is definitely falling in my books, the once reliable. But Charbonnet, Haskins, I feel really good about them. And the stat you threw out from John Jansen's podcast is very telling about how weak they are at running the football, save a few runs. Yeah, if you can stop them from breaking a big one, we could be able to shut this running game down and make them one-dimensional. And if we're able to do that, I think we'll be in this game right till the end. So running back, I think talent-wise this year, yeah, we've got them. I would say Haskins and Charbonnet, you just got to hold on to the ball. Christian Turner, Benz Van Summeren, don't let them touch the ball. Yeah, they're, they're, they're fine on the sidelines. I mean, you'd ask them to hand you Gatorade, they might drop that too. Yeah, absolutely. But if you're dropping the Gatorade, look, we can move on. I just cannot have any more turnovers in this game. 17 so far, nine loss this year. That is abhorrent. We're not going to cry over spilled Gatorade. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, wide receiver, positional advantage. Oh, man. It's so tough. Uh, just from a production standpoint this season, I'm going to say Penn State. KJ Hamler carries a lot of weight, and Michigan's receivers haven't been utilized enough. I'd say Michigan's more talented. But they're not utilized. What's the point in having talent if you're not going to use them? Yep, I would agree with that. I think that Michigan, as far as the players there, yeah. I mean, you've got guys that should all play in the NFL, but they're not as well utilized. And frankly, they haven't been very consistent. There's been drops from almost everybody on that offense has dropped something here and there. But talent-wise, Michigan, uh, product on the field so far, I'll go Penn State. Offensive line? Michigan. Michigan's offensive line has shown flashes. They put on a clinic against Iowa. The rest of the offense couldn't do much outside the first quarter. But what they did against A.J. Epinesa and everybody else, they looked really good then. Got run over by Wisconsin, but I think that's going to be a common theme this season. So I would definitely give it to Michigan in this part. Penn State's offensive line has been too inconsistent. And once again, going back to that stat, besides a few big runs, they're not getting much push at the line. No, no, I'm with you on this one as well. Offensive line coming off of their best game against Illinois. Granted, it's Illinois. They still didn't look that great in other games against inferior opponents. In that game, they were playing together. I didn't see much pressure on Shea Patterson. He had all the time in the world. Early on, the holes were massive. You could have drove the Mack truck through them. So if they play and continue to ascend uh, and play their best game against Penn State and we just are riding Haskins and Charbonnet, yeah, anything could happen. So I'll give O-line the advantage there. Tight end, I don't know much about Penn State's tight ends, to be honest. Is it, I think it's Pat Freer, Fryermuth. I, I don't know how to pronounce it, so I'm just going to give it to Michigan on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's give it to Michigan. Uh, Fryermuth sounds like he might be Amish, so can't trust a guy that can't turn on the television. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's one of our mottos here. Yeah, one of our many. Yeah, and uh, Nick Eubanks been having a pretty decent season. He had a touchdown. Actually, was there a touchdown to Eubanks and Shoemaker last week? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely giving that to Michigan. Good call. D-line, positional advantage. Oh, this is tough. Uh, I'm going to go, unfortunately, with Penn State due to the experience and all the talent they have. They've been really consistent this year. So I'm going to go with them for right now. What they did in Kinnick was really impressive. Yeah, I'll go with them as well with the caveat that if Quiddy Pay is able to play and does even like one third of what he did against Iowa, then I would say Michigan is a little deeper because uh, Aiden Hutchinson is a known commodity now, probably the best player on our defense. Dan has been improving week in and week out. Carlo Kemp, you know what you're going to get out of him. Uh, Dwum for little hit or miss there. Um, and then, yeah, you're, I think the guy that can swing it is Quiddy Pay. So no Quiddy Pay. Yeah, it's pretty clearly Penn State. With Quiddy Pay, I might lean Michigan, but Gross Matos is a problem. He is a problem, and John Runyon is going to have his hands full. But if he shows up like he did against Epinesa, once again, Michigan's offense is going to be in position. Yeah, and you're going to put yourself on uh, the draft board as well with another great game against the future NFL player. Linebacker, positional advantage. I, I should say Penn State, but Cam McGrone is my unclaimed child. I'm claiming him as mine. You're not going to say – you're not going to badmouth Cam McGrone. Kalik Hudson's been playing really well. Jordan Glasgow's been all over the place. He's the last Glasgow in a while. Give me Michigan's linebackers. Give me the speed. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. You really sold me on that. And can we direct some sort of like Braveheart-esque movie called The Last Glasgow? That's fantastic. There's a place, Glasgow, Scotland exists, doesn't it? It sure does, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. good job well, by us. Yeah, yeah, good, good for us. I'll get the script rolling tonight. Uh, <laughs> Micah Parsons is definitely a problem outside of that. I think they're a little bit middle of the road. Uh, whereas Cam McGrone is definitely an emerging star and you really like what Kalik Hudson has done this year as well. doesn't have the sacks and TFLs, but is all over the field as a leader of that team. So I will give a slight, slight positional advantage here to Michigan, but this one's pretty tight. Micah Parsons is a monster. Yeah, this is a complete Homer pick for me and I'm just going to own it. Also, We'll get the Homer picks later. I want to save that for you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Defensive back last, uh, and then we can do special teams, I guess. That's Michigan. That's hands down. I, I think Michigan secondary is outstanding this season. Yeah, it is. Uh, Going to need Levert Hill in order to keep that. Vincent Gray coming off a really, really poor game. Uh, he can tackle. I really like Vincent Gray in tackling, but uh, he's got a ways to go in coverage yet. And that's fine. It takes time. Brad Hawkins struggled last year, and he's looking like a strong player for us. So it takes time in the secondary. Uh, special teams, advantage. Penn State, K.J. Hamler's a game-breaker easily, and Michigan's still going to try out Quinn Nordine to kick field goals. And I guarantee since he was originally a Penn State commit, they're going to bring him out there for some moment, and he's going to blow it. Oh, yeah. They're, they're going to think that he has it in him to uh, maybe like – make some righteous field goal against his former home state or something like that. And he's going to miss by 75 yards and kill a young boy in the parking lot. It's tragic and it shouldn't happen. <laughs> That's exactly how it's going to happen. Yeah, I think he blew a field goal. I think he blew an extra point there. And yeah, he did. Cause it should have been 21 14 at halftime. And Quinn Nordine trotted out there and missed the extra point. 
Yeah, he has the mental fortitude of Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, just a, a loose cannon and not in a good way, like not in a way that he's going to murder a socialite unless he hits him with a with a field goal kick that's errant by 130 yards. He's got the leg strength, though, Jared. He does have that leg strength. Let us not forget that. But uh, all right, man. So let's let's talk keys to the game and get some predictions here. All right. Michigan has to jump out early if they're going to win. And I expect they will come out quick 10 to nothing i see him just really jumping on top of him maybe that's a defensive touchdown maybe it's something i think michigan's defense is really going to travel for this game something to prove second half penn state's back in this thing wheels start coming off 10 10 late third getting close to the fourth dylan mccaffrey comes in starts moving the ball but to no avail as this defense is too good and he's too inexperienced kj hamler breaks a crossing route and then the floodgates kind of open as McCaffrey fumbles the football. Penn State goes on to win 27 to 10 at home, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, so I think there are three, maybe four things. And if you get two of these three or two of these four things to happen, you can win this game. I think that if your defense travels and you get that defense that showed up against Iowa, we'll be in any game and we can absolutely be in this. I mean, even if there's only... 24 points total on the scoreboard at the end of the game if that defense travels will be in it if our offensive line plays their best game of the season and we're able to just run the ball I think we'll be in it and if Shea Patterson has his best game I think we'll be in it the fourth one would be the caveat that is at every game is if you win the turnover battle and obviously I mean I don't want to harp too much on that because it's been the, the point of emphasis in every podcast and everything that every Michigan sports writer has written about this season is the turnovers. But I think if you can get two of those three things to happen, say offensive line has their best game and the defense shows up, I think we can win this game. That being said, I just, what we've seen, the mental fortitude, the issues with fumbling, the way that this team crumbles at the first sign of adversity at Penn State at night, I think Penn State's going to jump out early. Uh, I like what you're saying. If Michigan jumps out early, I mean, I'm going to start having to take some Ambien or something to calm me down because I'm going to be losing it. Uh, I, I don't necessarily see that happen. I think Penn State's going to jump out early, and then maybe the defense will respond a little bit, but the offense is just going to be too slow to get in there. Um, I, I think that when the offense does score points, it'll be late, and you know it might be a game late in the game, but I, I think that I'm going to go with what I've seen. And Penn State against the better defenses, they they put up 17 against Pitt, 17 against Iowa. I think they're going to put up 17 in this game. I think it's going to be 17-10 Penn State in a defensive-minded battle. And yeah, I mean, I proved me wrong, obviously. And I just can't see this offense lighting it up all of a sudden when we haven't had any reason to believe that they can. Up no, to this point. please prove us wrong. And honestly, another one key for me, since I just didn't really give you keys, I just kind of gave you what clairvoyant Andy thinks. Michigan's defense has to score if Michigan's going to win this game. Or special teams or something like that. Yeah, I could see that. Or you got to find a way to get a huge play that you wouldn't normally get. Uh, if that is, you know, like a 50-yard bomb to Nico or somebody gets loose out of the backfield, big plays will be huge. If you can get one of those, that'll go a long way. Because I don't see a ton of points being scored in this unless Penn State just takes our will early and they put up 39. I'm predicting a lower scoring game. So, yeah, a defensive touchdown, special teams touchdown, or a big play could absolutely shift momentum in this one. If Quinn Nordine hits a field goal, Michigan wins. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you know that's not happening, so I don't know why you're even going to put that out into the universe. Yeah, I mean, there is a better chance of of me making a field goal in Happy Valley next week than Quinn Nordine, and I'm not even traveling there. So, <laughs> all right, man. Uh, in conclusion tonight, I know we wanted to pay respects to someone special, near and dear to your heart. You want? I'll, I'll let you take the floor on this one, since this has been your boy for years. Yeah, and you know, sometimes you got to give a shout out. And uh, like you said, near and dear to my heart. Uh, I think about him before I go to bed. I think about him when I wake up in the morning. Uh, really the most important person in my life. And that's Devin Bush. Uh, I wish we had more time because I could just spend the rest of the evening talking about him. But Devin Bush is your defensive rookie of the year in the NFL. I think you can go ahead and just lock that award up. The dude is an absolute monster. Had his first touchdown uh, last week in a win uh they're winning with their fourth string quarterback now basically on the strength of that defense and he looks like he may already be the best or second best player on the Steelers defense I mean this is nothing surprising to us I mean what do you want to say about our lord and savior Devin Bush is this your apology for picking Devin White in our unaired mock draft podcast this past spring yes it is that <laughs> no we did air we did air the draft we aired okay it, uh, yeah yeah just the audio but yeah. Uh, yeah yeah and uh yeah, I apologize. I apologize to Devin Bush. I apologize to my family. I apologize to you and all Thank the Michigan you. faithful. Thank you, guy. I, I I wanted that. I don't I don't care what the Michigan you say to the Michigan faithful. You apologize to me, damn it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that was an incredible performance. The interception, the fumble return for a touchdown, and the next play get the interception. Oh my goodness, I love it. Jabril Peppers has a touchdown. Chase Winovich has a touchdown, and Devin Bush has a touchdown this season. And Jordan Lewis had a pick this past week. So it's really cool to see all those guys thriving. It is. And Dwayne Haskins has no touchdowns. Sometimes the universe just works itself out. It does. Not often. And I'd rather, you know, this happened when they were at Michigan. But I always pull for my boys. And yeah, Devin Bush is going to be an absolute monster in this league. And I love that my comparison for him in the draft was Troy Polamalu. And he's flying around there like Troy Polamalu in the Steelers uniform. And it's just a game wrecker for that defense. So... And he has You're gold teeth. He has gold teeth now and an absurd haircut, and I love every second of it. It's fantastic. When you're that good, you can do no wrong with style. Just remember that, Quinn Nordine. You could tattoo a dildo on your forehead now. And be like, <laughs> no, that's actually the style now. You guys just don't get it. You, know, you don't understand it. <laughs> I don't get you it. Really, <laughs> I don't get it. Well, you wouldn't get it, but if you want to do that, I'll defend it. I don't care. Fair enough, sir. Fair enough. All right, man. Uh, any other final thoughts from you before we close this one out? Help us, God. I <laughs> uh, couldn't have said it better myself. That's going to do it for Out of the Blue. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at Brew at Andy underscore Bailey one at Blue 87 sure you like, share, subscribe, leave a review for all your shows and content wherever you get your podcasts by searching Maze and Brew Podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. We will be back tomorrow with a brand new episode of Closing Time hosted by our fearless leader, Anthony Broom. I am Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue reminding you that wherever you go, go blue.